Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, and our co-host is Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today, uh, our topic is Interstate 69. Uh, Just last week, I believe, the Indiana Department of Transportation awarded a construction contract for about four miles of I-69 in Monroe County between Harmony Road and a branch of Clear Creek near Tramway Road. That's the first stretch of I-69 entirely in the county to be uh, to have a, a construction contract awarded. So we're going to talk about that today and issues uh, of this highway with two guests. Uh, Christy Gillenwater is here. She's president of the Bloomington Cham- Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce. And Tom Tokarski is with us. Tom is president of Citizens for Appropriate Rural Roads. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811. Or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. You can also join us on a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, or you can even follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So, Tom, Christy, thanks for coming in today. Thank you for having me. Thank it's, you. I sixty nine is always a, a very lively topic in these parts. And Tom, I want to go to you first. You've been uh, fighting this highway for what twenty years or so? Twenty two. Twenty two years. Um, can you tell us how you got involved in the uh, in opposing the highway? I know a lot of it has to do with where you live and talk about your property and. Well, yeah, it involves where we live, but we before we knew the highway was going to take our property, we were opposed to it. They were having meetings back in the late 80s that we attended and decided that it was not a good idea for southwestern Indiana. So since then, we have been uh, working t- to stop the project. Our home will not be taken, but they will take our beautiful woods, which is very close to our home, and will dis- essentially destroy the heritage that we hoped that we could pass on to the future. Um, but it's our home is only one of... Uh, you know, one property out of hundreds of properties that will be negatively impacted. They're going to take around 400 homes. People are going to lose their homes. There are hundreds of uh, properties will be condemned. Family farms broken up. 125 at least businesses will be either relocated or go out of business. 135 uh, roads will be closed. And uh, so far, uh, we've uh, had seven deaths that we know have been directly or indirectly connected to the highway. So it's never, never have so many suffered for so little, and that's really. Well, let, let me ask you about those numbers. Are those for from Evansville all the those, way? Those are for the con- total project from Indianapolis to Evansville. Now, if they decide they're not going to, it looks like very much like now we're getting reports, they're not going to build the whole thing. They're going to stop in Bloomington. And so that means that th- there may be fewer of those impacts, but also you have to remember that the economic models are based upon a completed highway with a bridge over the Ohio River to Indianapolis. If we don't build the whole thing, all those economic uh, indicators fail, and there's going to be a lot fewer benefits. All right. We'll, we'll talk about you know, what happens uh, going forward in, in a minute. I want to ask Christy. Uh, the, the chamber has been very supportive of I-69 since uh, – actually since before it was announced. I remember uh, meetings years ago about the missing spoke and the need for I-69. Can you explain why you think there's a – I mean, Tom's sort of uh, given us a, some ideas about some specific issues – I think you probably believe there's a greater good served here. Can you explain that? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, thanks again for having us. Uh, we're really excited to be here today, Bob. Yes, absolutely. We're really looking forward to the 67 miles that will open here before the end of the year. And the economic benefit that they are uh, going to create here for the area from Evansville to Bloomington and eventually north. Um, not only will it provide a strong economic benefit, but also reduce travel time, better safety for drivers. So we look at it as a number of uh, key opportunities. This highway has been talked about for over 40 years. And you know, thanks to Governor Daniels, he was able to bring it really to reality. I mean, it took 
you know, he stood on the shoulders of giants before him, like Governor O'Bannon, who determined the pathway. Um, but, you know, Governor Daniels was the one who made the funding happen. And uh, I think for many of us, we're, we're thrilled to see the 67 miles open uh, by the end of this year, because uh, for those who have been fighting for this for decades, uh, you know, to some degree, uh, to have this happen so quickly has mm-hmm. been a blessing. And then, uh, obviously, the final 27 miles coming up to Bloomington, uh, which will be all under contract by the end of this year. Uh, That's uh, very exciting as well. Just to to give people a little bit of background, I guess I can fill this in. The the way the the state um, um, INDOT has set this up is that there are six sections. The terminology is interesting, sections and segments. Sections, there are six of them. Uh, The first one left Evansville and went went north. So actually the first three sections of the highway are scheduled to be completed by the end of this year. And that stops at 231 in Greene County, very close to uh, the gates of Crane. Correct. And then Mm -hmm. the the other 27 miles you're referring to is section four of the highway, which would take the highway from 231, 27 miles up to Bloomington and intersect with what high with Indiana 37, but yes, where? right around Victor, right around Victor Pike, Pike. around Victor mm-hmm. Pike, and then after that, and this is one of the things that Tom is referring to. There's Section Five, which goes through Bloomington and Monroe County, up into Morgan County, I believe. Maybe it's I think it stops in Morgan, yes. and then Section Six, which goes all the way up into into Indianapolis. And okay. those are the ones that the Tom is suggesting may not may not be built. Which we disagree with and and (laughs) respectfully disagree and feel that, uh, you know, it's just a matter of making sure um, our our future elected and and, uh, appointed officials see it as a priority. And we believe many do. I mean, both gubernatorial candidates have talked about the importance of I-69. And uh, we anticipate that uh, it will continue to move forward. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, the the, uh, governor has recently stated that he would be satisfied if the highway stopped in Bloomington. And he's on record with that. Uh, the gas tax revenues are down across the state, across the country. Uh, the toll road lease money that was used to start the project is gone or allocated. Uh, Jeff Espich, who is the chairman of the Tax Writing and Finance Committee in Indiana, has stated, quote, there is no money to finish anything of consequence, m- much beyond routine maintenance and a few minor projects. There. Even Vanetta Becker, who is from Evansville, has stated that she'd be satisfied if it stopped in Bloomington. So it looks very much like that is the future. It's going to stop in Bloomington for the foreseeable future. Uh, our phone numbers, again, are 855-0811-877-285-9348. You can join a live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. Well, let's talk about what we do know, which is you know it's going to open um, – the 67 miles are scheduled to be open in I, I, by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So what benefit is that going to bring to uh, southern Indiana, Christy? Well, a tremendous benefit. I mean, not only the savings of time from traveling to Evansville uh, up towards Crane, um, you look at you know 20 to 30 minutes save time and drive, so you're going to have um, less drive time, more safety. Um, that's a key component for that part of the state where they didn't have a key corridor running through them. You know, Crane is a tremendous asset in our region, and um, having this interstate go to Crane is critical. Now, I think um, Crane needs it also to uh, head north for uh, their benefit, the munitions and other assets that leave Crane and transport into Crane. Um, that's really key to continue the highway's uh, development. But, um, you know, the project has been $80 million. It has come in $80 million under budget, and... Uh, it's ahead of schedule. So, uh, again, we're excited to have it open and to see the true economic impact. I mean, when you look at just the amount of impact it's already had in the form of jobs, in the form of uh, revenue to a number of employers here throughout the state. It's really been phenomenal uh, to see in these challenging times for many in the construction industry. So um, it's really helped a number of our businesses in the region as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tom? Um, yeah. The, the savings for the whole route from Indianapolis to Evansville is estimated to be about 13 to 14 minutes. And Crane has survived all the BRAC closings and everything. And when the last several rounds of uh, base closings have been by bases, most of them, in fact, have been on bases near or close to an interstate highway. So that the saving of Crane may, may in fact, be 
uh, harm by putting in the interstate highway. The base was put there because it's inland and it's a secure remote site. If we start developing around it, that could very well lead to the closing of Crane. The project is not under budget by any sense. They have overestimated. They, when they talk about becoming in under budget, what they're talking about is construction only. There are to- many, many other costs that are associated with the project that has put the project over budget and is going to continue to be that way. Now, Tom, I will say that the folks down at Crane don't share your opinion that, that it would be harmful to them. I right. know I've right. talked to several of the, right. the leaders down there, and they're, they are – positive about the highway. Yeah, I understand that, but there we disagree with that. And if you look at past base closings, you will see that that's the problem. Okay. We want to go to the phones. Our first phone call is Lucille. Lucille, go ahead. Yes, I would just like to say that, you know, this this business about jobs, these are these are temporary jobs. Are we going to tar the whole con- continent in order to get jobs for people? Are we going to build, you know, just think about the long-range uh, consequences of of this? We cannot keep building roads because we'll cover the whole earth. So this is ridiculous. We have to find jobs that are not connected to the gro- to, to a growth industry. We need to start focusing on sustainability. The other thing is this under-budget business, as far as I'm concerned, they, they, they talked about uh, putting in roads that are not quite up to code, up to federal code. To me, that's, that's unconscionable. Are we going to build roads that are not safe so that we can get them built? And, you know, if it just stops in Bloomington, it's not going to go anywhere. And I think they did this just to, because Bloomington has been against this road from the start. 20 years, 25 years, we've been fighting this road. So I really do think that this was uh, something that they, they planned to do. They're going to stop in Bloomington, and it's not right. This whole thing is not right. And we should not be building this road. We should be concentrating on mass transportation. Mass transportation is what we need. We don't need more cars traveling down highways at 80, 80 miles an hour. That's not good for global warming. It's not good for the for, for use of, of our limited resources. It is not good for the country, period. Thank you. All right, Lucille, thanks. We'll get reaction from both our people. Well, Lucille, uh, a couple of things. First of all, um, the jobs, while some are temporary, many are going to be long-term as it will enable businesses, for example, in Bloomington to ship south in cases where they haven't been able to in the past in an efficient manner. So it will open up opportunities for uh, more clients, more customers of existing businesses here in in Bloomington and similarly for Mevinsville. You know, now they'll they'll be able to improve transportation. So uh, that That's key, as well as, again, with Crane being a key asset and enabling Crane to have further growth uh, by virtue of being uh, located so close to an interstate. Second of all, the comment about um, the grade level, the the quality of the highway, uh, federal highways, nor would the state... um, build anything under federal standards. The the Federal Highway Administration would not approve such projects. So um, anything that has been slightly altered still meets absolutely with uh, what federal regulations are. So uh, we're confident with the uh, quality of the product and uh, have worked really closely with NDOT, both um, with the head of the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce on, as well as Hoosier Voices for I-69, and uh, appreciate our working relationship with them and, and working on detail and design factors, et cetera. Now, Tom, I know that she, Lucy, was probably referring to the. There's a thinner surface, correct? Uh, yeah, that's one of the aspects. There are other very other things about that. Uh, Governor Daniels is on record as saying you throw out the rule book when it comes to constructing I-69. He's on the record for saying that, and that means that they're rushing the project for political and personal gain. There, there's shoddy construction going on. I have been called by independent contractor who's worked on highway projects for 30 years and said he's never seen anything like this. Is there something we can do to help? Because they're not following standard procedures and the highway is not being built in a safe and, and dependable way. It is, in fact, a substandard highway. There are going to be safety problems. There are narrower shoulders and medians. In some cases, they're going to have narrow medians with a cable barrier. And if there's going to be a, a, an international truck corridor, those cable barriers are not going to uh, stop an, uh, a semi-truck that gets out of control. Future repair costs are going to be extensive, and so the cost of the highway is going to go on for many, many years. It is a legacy of failure. 
I want to ask you about a comment you made earlier about seven deaths being directly yep. or yes. indirectly uh, connected to the highway. Well, yes. What's, what's your uh, you know, documentation? There was a, a, a gravel truck down by Odin when I lost uh, control and without even braking ran into two vans and killed three people. These were just bystanders. On, they were, their uh, vans had run out of gas. They ran into that. That truck ran into those vans and killed three people. Was the truck uh, construction? They were working on I-69. And then uh, on 231, when that was area was under construction, there was a head-on collision because they were not following proper procedures in a work zone, and two citizens were killed in that collision. We have one farmer who has committed suicide, and there's one uh, dear friend of mine who was forced out of her home. She had helped build, she had built that home. She had bought the land and had been there for most of her life. She was forced to, for, she was uh, forced out of her home, and 17 days after she was forced out, she died, at least in part, I think, of a broken heart. All right. Our phone number is 855-0811-877-285-9348. Uh, you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. We have two phone calls, so let's go to Bill first. Bill? Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Bill. Um. My question, I've got a, a thousand questions, but this question um, is just a very generic question. Why not just stop a crane um, and avoid all the destruction uh, and the potential safety problems, the health problems, problems with cars and air pollution problems, um, and, and save, one, uh, save the billion dollars it's going to cost to get from 231 to uh, Bloomington? All right. Christy, do you have a... Well, again, it's critical to have that spoke in the wheel from Indianapolis all the way down to Evansville to help with the economic prosperity of southern Indiana. And uh, this interstate is the cornerstone there. And again, I would go back to Crane as well and the importance of the interstate with Crane. You know, as Crane works to um, build more relationships with contractors, uh, support more businesses here in the region, uh, it's, it's a critical infrastructure piece. And so so to me, it doesn't even make sense to stop at 231. I mean, you have to go. You have to go north. The project is already under um, uh, under works. It uh, all sections of Section Four will be um, awarded by the end of 2012. So it will be here. It will intersect with 37 by the end of 2014. So um, to me, it's we're we're talking about the future here and our uh, economic prosperity for Southern Indiana and Southwest Indiana. And uh, we're excited for what this can bring. Let me mention uh, also, uh, Bill. I think one of the arguments for not stopping at 231, there might be an argument that some would make for stopping at it at 37, but if, if it stops where where that last interchange is now, you're going off into a lot of narrow roads, and it could create some uh, safety issues. That's one of the arguments that's been against that. Now, Tom? Yeah. Uh INDOT, as you know, has uh, designated each of these six sections they've talked about as called, they call them segments of independent utility. And they say in their studies, each of those can be built independent of all the others. They can build one, two, three, all, or just one or two. And so it's, it, according to their studies, it is not necessary to complete the whole project, and they can stop right there at Crane, and that's it. And uh, the most environmentally sensitive part of the project is going to be from 231 to State Earl 3. This is a heavily karstic area. It is uh, steep ridges and hollows. It is heavily forested. It is a hev- it is going to have uh, it is a habitat of the federally endangered Indiana bat and several other uh, threatened species. It is incredibly sensitive environmentally. It makes no sense to go on. If we're only going to go to 37 anyway, it makes no sense. We're not going to get the economic benefits from it anyway. Why do all that damage to the environment when you can just Stop it now. And th- there's a lot to be saved. We've lost a lot, but there's a lot more that can be saved. Let me say that uh, the folks from NDOT did send a statement down. It's, um, it is a very short statement, so let me read it now before we go back to the phones. It says, uh, NDOT appreciates community leaders taking part in development of Section 5 environmental studies as participating agencies to ensure IFC 69 is the best project possible for the communities, NDOT looks forward to this continued level of cooperation as the I-69 project moves forward. So that's a statement they sent in. Uh, clearly, they're still planning on moving forward. 
Yeah, they, I, I don't know that the MPO would consider them being cooperative when they were forced with retaliation. If they didn't put the project into their transportation improvement plan, they were going to cut funding for a lot of other projects. That doesn't sound like cooperation to me. It sounds like retaliation if you don't do what we want you to do. Just to, well, and that's okay. interesting, if I may, because um, we currently are facilitating discussions with a number of elected and appointed officials and um, some of the MPO members and making sure that Section 5 is, to de- is designed with respect to local needs and in consideration of local needs. And so we meet uh, weekly now with uh, key, uh, uh, again, elected and appointed officials talking about those specifics and working around the table focused on Section 5 of I-69. You can design all you want, but if you don't have the money to build it, it's not going to get built. And just to make sure that our listeners understand, again, Section 4 is that part that goes from Crane, basically 231, up to 37. When they're talking about Section 5, that's the part that would would skirt the west side of Bloomington. Correct. Okay. Uh, We have another phone call. Let's go to Scott. Scott? Good afternoon. Hey, Scott. I appreciate your... uh phone calling in here. Uh, I've been studying this for, for years now, and I, I, uh, I like Christie's comment talking about the future. But you've got to look at what the future is right now. There's, there's, we need over $1.1 billion to complete uh, from Section 4 is, is all the money they have. The uh, major move money is gone, $787.7 million that was needed. So the road is, uh, right now, until you have the money to complete, it's going to stop right there between Victor Pike and that road, right in the midpoint, they're half mile either way, uh, half mile south of that road, or half mile north of Victor Pike. That's where it's going to tie in, and this is from Indot's own numbers. So this is the future of our traffic nightmare. They've already projected twenty-five thousand more trips of traffic daily to thirty-seven, which right now we have twenty-two thousand. So now we're going to bump it up to forty-seven thousand, of which they said. One-third of that 25,000 increase in traffic is going to be more trucks, you know, big trucks, on 37 going north and south. Now, here's the problem. Why would we complete this project when, until you've got uh, a way to move that traffic, it's just going to dump right there at that point. And I drive north every weekend to do home care, and I can just imagine the nightmare of traffic we're going to have now. There's no money in this project, and, and as Thomas is so right, why sit there and do more damage if you just uh, saw uh, the contract award in Section 4 for $447 million? As Thomas pointed out, that 14-mile segment is so heavily cursed, you're talking about an 80-foot cut-and-fill projects that have to traverse some of the creeks there in Indian Creek. I, I just don't see why, as Tom was saying, we stop... Uh, around the crane area and, and you know, pack this thing up because it's not going to complete all the way up. If you look at Section 5 and 6, the politics of trying to get that project completed all the way up to Indianapolis is impossible. When you look at all of the uh, people that are opposed to it, and a lot of these people are Republicans. In Perry Township, that's where Luger's Tree Farm is. They don't want this. And a lot of these people, are, uh, if you look at it, losing $300 million in tax revenue collected from the taking the property if they, if they build this project. So it's, let's just stop right here. The, the bottom line is the project will not be completed. It's going to stop right here in Bloomington. It's going to damage our quality of life issues. And, and, you know, that's a big issue with me. And I appreciate your time, but I, I would like to hear... Uh, the comment directly on the traffic problems, because that that is INDOT's own numbers. And I, and I thank uh, Tom for standing up for all these years and taking all these pot shots that he's had to deal with, him and his wife, and all he's trying to do is present the truth. And Scott, that's, you know, this is our community. Scott, I have, I have two questions for you. One is, um, that number that you just gave, the $440 million, what did that represent? $447 million. Yes, it was in your newspaper. I mean, you're the one that prints the newspaper. Well, the one that I've got. I mean, Scott, it was, it was, wait a minute now. The, one of, the number I've got in front of me is $57.5 million for the four miles of the contract no, that was just the, let. The 14 miles. Uh, I'm talking about the entire 14-mile segment. It was in your paper, and I assume your paper's printing the truth, but I don't know. It was, you know. I don't have the paper. All right, I have, a, I, I have a second. I have a second. And, and remembers facts. <laughs> yeah, and, and well, you'll, you'll have to go back and look at your newspaper. But it was four hundred forty-seven million in the section four segment. Almost, you know, I mean, uh, that's that's a huge amount of money, and for what? 
to stop to have it stop and create all this traffic problems and destroy some of the beautiful areas of Indian Creek. You got to see some of these, these these areas that they're going to be just ripping up, and these are people's homes and and people's lives affected. And I don't see how uh, people can just sit back and just you know allow this to happen. I mean, this is serious uh, takings of people's lives and property for what and who benefits. It's not going to be completed in Indianapolis. Simple as that. And, you know, prove to me you're going to come up, uh, Bob, with $1.1 billion. I, I'm not debating that. I'm just asking about that one number, Scott, because I've got a story okay, in front of me that says $57.5 million. You're the editor of the HT, and you do some good jobs. Uh, sometimes in some articles, sometimes it's obvious. Everyone has a bias. Everybody does. I do. Uh, Tom does. Uh, everybody does. But just go back and look at your own uh, articles. The, and this is like in the last few weeks, because I, I read Scott. them. And I study them, and I remember facts pretty clearly. And I, I would just uh, advise you to go look in your own newspaper, and because that that came right out of your most recent paper. All right. Like I said, I don't have it in front of me right now. It's not. It's not the one I've got, but I'm going to go back and look it up. Thanks. All right, and Scott, I'd say a, a couple comments in in rebuttal. First of all. You know, again, Section 4, it's, it will all be let by the end of the year, so it is, it is coming. And, and now we need to focus on what we can do to uh, maximize our opportunities as a community. We, again, believe uh, that this will provide for more jobs throughout southern Indiana. Jobs are a key co- concern throughout our entire country right now. Our economy, the need to grow more jobs. Again, with this asset, more customers will open up for a variety of our businesses along the corridor. Next, that is exactly why we as a community must come together and work on Section 5 and um, ready for approval of Section 5 components uh, before the Metropolitan Plan Organization because we need to make sure that when Section 4 goes live by the end of 2012, that key intersections can handle it, such as Vernal Pike. You know, Vernal Pike is a a key concern of ours. You know, 3rd Street, 2nd Street, we need to make sure, again, that we are at the table working with NDOT, communicating our needs in a thoughtful way, uh, a realistic way, uh, but also maximizing the opportunities and the needs of our community. A lot of our discussion has been around uh, bike and pedestrian safety and uh, those sorts of design features as well. And uh, again, we are very grateful to the elected and appointed officials who are around the table meeting with us on a regular basis so that together we can all make this uh, the best we can make it for our community. All right. Thanks a lot, Scott. Appreciate your call. Tom, I'm going to get to you as soon as the break's over, but we got to take a short break. <coughs> You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times. My co-host, Mary Catherine, couldn't be with us today, but she's missing a lively show. We're talking about (laughs) I-69. The timing of this is that uh, just last week a construction contract was uh, awarded for the first four miles of construction of I-69 in Monroe County. That's why we decided to have this program today. If you want to join us on the conversation, 
Call us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can join a live chat um, at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And if you do call, you'll be talking with uh, Christy Gillenwater, president of the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce, and Tom Tokarski, the president of Citizens for Appropriate Rural Roads. Scott had a lot to say before the break. Tom, you didn't have a chance to respond. Yeah, I want to go back and address the issue of jobs because everybody said anytime anybody wants to do anything, it's jobs, jobs, jobs. But a lot of times you you can't justify those uh, promised jobs. The final environmental impact statement for Section 4 done by the Department of Transportation estimated the number of jobs that would be created in Section 4 for the project. They said, and this is their own study, 771 jobs by 2030. That's 48 jobs per year. If you don't build the highway, the no-build scenario, they estimate there would be 517 jobs by 2030. That's only 254 uh, uh, fewer jobs because we don't have the highway. And that is a huge amount of money, $600 million to create 254 excess jobs. These are not high-paying jobs. These are mostly service-oriented jobs. There is something called a transfer effect, which is that when you build a project like this, you don't create many new jobs. You transfer those jobs from other areas of the state. And, and so a lot of those jobs will not be new. They will just be simply transferred from the other parts of the state. All of the economic models for job creation and benefits depend on a completed highway from the Ohio River bridges to Indianapolis. If it's not completed, even those figures are suspect and will be less. Okay, let's go to the phones. John's been patient. John? Yes, actually, um, what Tom is saying just now related to my question, um, at an MPO meeting less than a year ago, um, I believe the study Tom is speaking about was mentioned as being a commission study, which is the only in-depth study to um, draw conclusions about what the economic benefit would be to Monroe County if it built I-69 and if it did not build I-69. Um, so at, at, at that MPO meeting, I believe it was stated that that is the only in-depth study we've got. So my question is, are there other in-depth studies that come up with different conclusions? And if so, what are their authors and titles, names? And if there aren't other in-depth studies with different conclusions, where are the claims coming from for uh, great job benefits for Monroe County. The only uh, major study done for the I-69 project, economic studies, have been done by Indiana Department of Transportation, and that was uh, in the final environmental impact statement for this section, and that's where those numbers come from. Okay, and again, in talking with local businesses who are members of ours, uh, they give us specific examples of customers south of here that they could, or potential customers whom they could now work with, that they couldn't work with in the past based on the cost of transportation of goods. So uh, we know for a fact, in talking with our businesses in this community, that there are a number of opportunities just here, let alone uh, the opportunities for Evansville-based companies and along the corridor and north and south of those uh, communities as well. So it's just anecdotal information. A That's lot of our... The anecdotal information is what you're, what you're saying is a fact. Is that correct? We have specific examples of some organizations based on communications we've had. Um, Tom mentioned the study from the environmental impact statements. And uh, again, we we just know you can look at uh, core economic data from other communities and how an interstate has changed uh, the prospects for jobs for those communities. And again, you look at a number of the small communities along the corridor and uh, whether it's distribution opportunities, there are a variety of types of businesses that will look to um, this corridor now that the interstate is open here by the end of the year. John, we're going to have to cut you off. We've got, three, we got a bunch of callers uh, trying to get in. So uh, let's see. I think Dave is our next caller. Dave? Uh, sure, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, my name's Dave Stewart. I live here in Bloomington, mm-hmm. and uh, I have been listening to the show, and I would like to follow up kind of. It's amazing that it, you just said that, whoever you are from the 
Chamber of Commerce. This is Christy Gillenwater, president of the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, and you'd say that, you know, it's going to change it to be like other areas that have a big interstate running through it. Well, let's talk about quality of life, because Terre Haute is not where I would want to live. I mean, I live in Bloomington for a reason, and I would like to talk about what do you envision the change of this huge interstate running through Bloomington and how it will change our community. I'd like to hear from you, I guess, the person from the Chamber of Commerce, but also from Tom Tokarski. Sure, happy to comment. You know, I, I think in Bloomington, we love to benchmark off of other communities and often college towns. And I look at, you know, a Madison, Wisconsin. I look at, you know, a Boulder, Colorado, a Portland, other places we love to think of ourselves like. And many of those types of communities also have interstates that are near to them. And uh, again, we also look at the ability for IU students to um, travel to Indiana University in a much safer route. And I think that's another component we need to think about in the research opportunities, uh, the wonderful educational opportunities uh, that are here. And so again, there are plenty of examples of dynamic communities uh, who are focused on economic vitality, focused on the environment, focused on being a great place to live, to work, to raise a family, and to recreate. And I believe Bloomington will continue to be, even with the interstate. Yeah, the... the uh, Bloomington is doing very well without this interstate highway now. It's certainly doing better than most of the state. The, there is a myth of highways as economic saviors, which is not borne out by the data in many, many instances. And so you cannot d- simply depend upon that saying, well, all highways are going to create all this development. It simply doesn't hold up under careful study. The uh, if, if the highway ends and south of Bloomington, they're going to dump all that traffic onto 37. You're going to have it's going to cause increased congestion, which is going to cause increased air pollution, which is going to create safety issues, and all of these things are not and from Bloomington North. These are not going to make the quality of life in Bloomington better. It's not going to necessarily make a better uh, business uh, because a lot of the truckers for example, there's a bypass going around Terre Haute. When that's done, they'll go up 41 and use that bypass in I-70. They're not going to come to Bloomington and be stalled out in congestion because they didn't finish the highway and they have all these problems getting through it. Let me, let me follow up with it. I, the question I have, have to ask you, Tom, and I would have asked Scott if, if I wanted to stay on the phone with him for a really long time, <laughs> is um, so what's the difference between stopping it? I mean, you're, you're suggesting stopping it right at 231. I don't believe that it's it's not going to open. It, it is going to open by the end of the year up to 231. You and Scott are both suggesting, well, let's just stop it there. That would dump the same kind of congestion, same kind of kind of traffic onto much smaller roads, would it not? Well, NDOT says that's perfectly fine. You read their studies. There's segments of independent utility. You don't have to build all of the all of the say all of the sections. And so that was what that's their conclusion. And if they created a problem, then they probably ought to solve it. And if they lied to us during those studies, then that's their issue, not mine. This is going to if you if you stop at 231, you avoid this tremendous environmental consequences of trying to get through all that cars and all those forests and you and and all the impacts that are going to come to Bloomington if you do stop there because it's going to be very bad for Bloomington. That's for sure. Okay. We've got another caller we got to go to. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate the call. Uh, Clark is out in Indian Creek Township. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Good. Go right ahead. I was going to ask uh, both Christy and Tom about the pending lawsuit in federal court. Um, I've not heard anything about it lately, but uh, if, in fact, we got justice, meaning the people opposed to the highway got justice, what exactly would happen to the contracts that Christie keeps talking about having been let by the end of the year? I would be stunned if NDOT doesn't have a fiscal out uh, on these contracts they're going to write. So having a contract is really of no consequence if they don't have the money. So uh, let's assume that the federal lawsuit gets uh, up the federal lawsuit by Carr and Heck uh, gets supported by the federal district court. Uh, what happens to NDOT? What do they have to do? And assuming uh, it's not pleasant, what does that do to the status of Section 4? 
we foresee the status of Section 4 moving forward and uh, that uh, the, the lawsuits will not stop the forward progress that we have made to date. How, how can you assume that the lawsuits aren't going to go forward? We believe that uh, everything will continue to move forward as planned. We have documented, this is uh, Tom Zakarski, we have documented several numerous violations of state and federal law in the process of trying to uh, uh, build this highway. They have violated the National Environmental Policy Act. They've violated the Endangered Species Act, the Administrative Procedures Act, the Clean Air Act, and we are going to try to get a preliminary injunction. If they violated the law and they are are found guilty of that, the project will stop. And that is not, whether you spent money on it or whether you've let contracts is not going to be determined is not going to make a difference if they have have shown that they have violated the law. We have excellent attorneys, and we have now uh, national uh, legal organizations who are helping us with these lawsuits, and there are several of them. It isn't just this one. There are several of them along the route. So we are looking, we are are, uh, thinking that we have a chance to stop this, and we're not going to quit, and we're going to continue it as long as we need to. Tom, let me ask you about previous lawsuits. So there have been some, yeah. and you haven't won any yet, correct? Right. That's right. correct. Okay, but you, there are several more that, right. that are yes. in the pipeline. But in the the major one of the other major lawsuits we had, the judge said that when it comes down to tier two and looking at the impacts of that, they may have to go back to tier one if they have finding, for example, there are more impacts on cars than they than they realize. Then they may have to stop and go back to tier one study and redo redo those studies to see if that those impacts are are acceptable so there there is a possibility what that even though we did not succeed in that case the judge said there are things there are roadblocks coming up if you can show these problems exist but tom how many lawsuits have you guys lost so far i mean there have been a number N- not a number we've lost uh we haven't and we're appealing these some mm. of these lawsuits the the uh the corps of engineers permitting lawsuit in section t- in section three is under appeal the uh, white river bridge project over the white river the bridge over the white river is under legal action the the um the um the yeah, the right, and there are other uh, numerous uh, eminent domain condemnation suits that are ongoing. So there's a lot of law, legal stuff going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, again, our phone number is eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. We've got uh, one caller and also one comment. I want to read this comment first. Um, Lee commented and says, "I sixty five from Indy to Louisville was supposed to grow jobs, but it's only been minimum wage jobs." Christy, can you respond to that? Well, I look at Cummins. Look at the growth that um, you know Cummins has had over the years, but Columbus in general. I mean, there's just one city that um, you know. I look at where Cummins and the entire community of Columbus was before the interstate versus now. They continue to be a dynamic community. They continue to receive national uh, awards and recognition for small business development, et cetera. Um, so again, you need to look at south of Columbus as well and the development that has happened along the interstate. Uh, I can't currently speak to the number of jobs. I don't have that information before me. Um, but again, you always have to look at what your assets are along the corridor. We have critical assets uh, as it relates to linking Evansville North, Crane, Indiana University. I mean, you have some core assets here, and we're very uh, blessed to have those and to continue to see their forward progress through uh, the interstate's assistance as well. Yeah, the interstate highways are hit or miss project in, ter- in terms of economic development. Southwestern Indiana does not have the infrastructure to carry to, to create a lot of jobs along. You can look at I sixty four, which is across south southern Indiana. That's created very few jobs. It, it's not the, there's a myth that every time you build a big highway, you're going to have all these jobs, and that simply does not hold up under careful scrutiny. And you can prom- you can point out one area and say, look at all those jobs there, and I can point out another. Just and say well, there's no jobs there because of the interstate. There are very few, so it's not across the board. We're going to have this, and and like I said, the Department of Transportation's own studies are not predicting incredible job growth. They're just not doing it. Well, Tom, again, it's not just simply the interstate. You have to have thoughtful economic strategies <laughs> that communities implement. And again, having an interstate is a core asset, just like having a university or having a wonderful, amazing asset like Crane. Uh, you know, you have to parlay those assets and uh, create and execute on a strong economic strategy. And we're fortunate that we're going to have multiple assets to be able to uh, tout. 
the I future mean, of transportation won't be a continuation of the past. The world has changed. We need public transit. We need high-speed rail. Gas tax revenues are down nationally. Their earmarks are out. The state is $5 billion, uh, has a $5 billion backlog in statewide projects, 4,000 bridges that are, are structurally deficient or obsolete, and we need to make those repairs and maintenance because we are putting, if we're going to put all our eggs into one multi-billion dollar highway and let the rest of the projects in the state deteriorate, that is not going to help the economy of this state. No, we do need to think about mass transit, and we absolutely support mass transit and alternative uh, means of transportation. Uh, But again, mass transit takes even more significant investment. And uh, And it creates more jobs. That's years down the road. We've got Mm -hmm. three more calls we're going to try to get to. Uh, Chris has been very patient. Thank you, Chris. Go right ahead. Hi. Yeah, my name is Chris, and um, I I don't know if I'm going to make some friends here. I'm not calling to to make a question, just kind of make a statement. I'm originally from the Washington, D.C. area. I've been out here living in Bloomington for about mm, three and a half years or so, and I'm also a leader of one of the government contracting companies. So coming from where I come from on the East Coast corridor, we look at expansion highways as an exciting thing. And for me, for the perspective of being a government contractor, the accessibility to crane and what that opens up to various vendors, accessibility, uh, the word's been used uh, as far as growth, jobs, growth, that simply is another part of our strategic plan of how we're going to be doing business, which is exciting for us to know that there's going to be a major highway coming in that will give us and others more accessibility to all it has to offer that we can give back to Crane and give back to the communities. So, again, I might have a view that might be different from those from the area in and of itself, but coming from the East Coast and commuting back and forth on a regular basis to the Washington area, when I hear a highways coming in, and the commuting that I've been doing here locally over the past several years, this is exciting. This tells me progress, tells me great things are happening for Southern Indiana and the state of Indiana altogether and all that you as the state are trying to do to progress the state forward and keep it uh, as such an innovative, edge-cutting state that it is. And it's been very exciting to be a part of it and have a business here in Southern Indiana. So I didn't have a question. I just wanted to weigh in and give my thoughts that, I might not have all the exact facts. I've heard bits and parts of this conversation. But from my perspective, and I speak personally, but just saying what my role is from a professional perspective, I find this to be exciting. And I believe Christy has said, you know, the forward movement. This is what it's about, um, our world, our economy. Um, Highways, I know, as what I'm hearing from different perspectives there, might not be the best perspective for some people, but for a business person, from the perspective and a supporter of Crane, and Crane supports other organizations that give back to the communities, I find this to be very exciting, and it's going to open up for other companies to want to come to the area. So I just wanted to make my statement that I thought this is great news for the state of Indiana, and I've been waiting for this to come for quite some time. All right, Chris, thanks a lot. We really welcome. appreciate it. Responses? Bye-bye. Yeah, these, this, this highway will not be built without incredible cost and damage to our environment and to our earth. We have to look at the whole picture. We cannot continue to just look at, oh, a highway's coming, and that's going to be the greatest thing in the world. Indiana is 10th in the nation in interstate highway miles. It is 6th in the nation in the total number of road miles. We have lots and lots of highways in this state. Adding another big highway when we're not maintaining the roads we have now is not going to be the savior of this state or this city or this county. Well, and that's why we're fortunate to have such great, you know, um, economic numbers and performance over the last few years because we have critical infrastructure such as interstates. And Chris, I'd just like to say to you, um, kudos to being a business here in the community, in the region for, um, creating jobs and uh, for supporting our efforts. We're glad to hear uh, that your perspective is that you see positive things happening. And that, again, is what we hear from our members. Uh, When we poll members, the majority tell us, absolutely, this is going to enable us to grow jobs. Um, Even, you know, as recently as last year when we polled and we're getting ready to do it again, uh, we're really excited for uh, the economic vitality and, and in our region that we currently have and what we'll continue to have and with assistance from this interstate. Okay, we've got uh, time for a couple more calls, uh, but we're going to have to go very quickly. So, Dave, go right ahead. All right. Well, hey, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been waiting all my married life for 69 to go in. I married a cow from Evansville, and we've wandered Indiana for many, many a year. But 
um, in my perspective, without a bridge across the river in Evansville and then infrastructure set south of there, the highway is going to be a regional highway for a long time, especially considering financial conditions the way they are right now. I'd like to get the panel's opinion on that. All yeah, right. The, quick, Ohio river, uh, the Ohio River Bridge is going to be a toll bridge, and there's no money to build it now. They're trying to work on that. So there, that bridge, there is no future plans in the near future to build that bridge, if that's what you're concerned about. And I know that some people look upon the highway as a convenience for them, but you've got to think about all the people who are going to suffer from this highway are going to lose everything they've worked their whole lives for. You know, and it's actually interesting you say that my mother's family, uh, growing up, she lost her family home uh, due to an interstate, and they continued to do well. They sold their house uh, well, and and uh, family continued to uh, move on from there. For the With respect to the bridge, uh, that is absolutely something that Hoosier Voices for I-69 and our friends in Evansville continue to focus in on, um, bridging and uh, looking at opportunities both at the federal level and state level. So uh, that we understand that's a critical component to the completion of I-69 and is still a focus area as well. All right. Thanks a lot, Dave. And we have time for one more call, I believe. Brian is next. Brian, we've got yeah. less than two minutes. Okay. I'll be here. I'll be quick about it. I just want to address real briefly the, the business of unfunded mandates. And this is certainly an unfunded mandate. And I wanted to quickly address the woman who called and the, <clears throat> the nature of core assets and uh, when an interstate, all-new terrain interstate highway, when it is considered innovative, cutting-edge, and exciting, you know, that's a, just a shift in, in the kind of thinking we should have in regard to global warming and in terms of the environmental destruction that's going on. Uh, I would just ask both the panelists to uh, what they think core assets really mean okay. as far as community as far as giving back to the community. I don't think an interstate highway gives anything back. I, we haven't mentioned... 30 seconds left. We haven't mentioned idea. climate change yet, but that these there will be a lot more carbon emissions because of big highways like this. Climate change is real, and it is causing severe impacts on our, on our uh, weather, and those are damaging properties and businesses across the state and across the region. Core assets in our community, Indiana University, the interstate, Crane, Ivy Tech Community College, the strength of our workforce, the um, Lake Monroe, the wonderful diversity that we experience here in Bloomington and in the region. And uh, we are all fortunate to uh, be able to live, work, play, and raise families here. Bloomington's doing very well without I-69. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks for your call. Thanks to Christy. Thanks to Tom. Maybe we'll be doing this again sometime. I have a feeling (laughs) that she's going to be with us for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christy Gillenwater's been here, so as Tom Tokarski for Mary Catherine, who couldn't join us today for producers Gretchen Frazee and Julie Raw, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.